On a Saturday filled with six matchups between AP-ranked teams, the lower-ranked teams won five of them, a single-day record, which included the number one team in the nation going down. What does it all mean? Well, it means we're in for a wild month of March. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a five-times-per-week national college hoop show part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He's Isaac Shade. And today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open, open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, crazy things are happening in the West Coast Conference. The preseason number one and number two continue to struggle. We're talking about a bunch of games in the six-pack to close out the show. But first, the Indiana Hoosiers, Assembly Hall, knocking off the number one team in the country. The Purdue Boilermakers taking their second loss of the year. You have the two two of the best players, two of the best players in the entire country. I was going to say Big Ten, but that's right. Two of the best players in the country, Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis facing off. Zach Eady, absolute monster in this game, as we've come to see. 33 points on just 19 shots, but it was a tremendous game from Trace Jackson Davis. The Hoosiers pull out a tremendous victory, and now, once again, we're looking at a number one team falling shortly after getting that mantle, and we have to have that same conversation is this still the number one team in the country after losing? Isaac, what are your thoughts? Yes. Next question. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> Andy, it's great to be with you, buddy. Yeah. I love starting off our week all together. Um, listen, hand up. I, I had Purdue in this mm-hmm. game, um, particularly because of that uh, that height differential yeah. between these two guys. Edie, the monster at 7'4", TJD, mm-hmm. 6'9", which compared mm-hmm. to me, how tall are you, Andy? I'm six foot. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm like 5'11", so Mm -hmm. I'm like looking up at Trace Jackson Davis. (laughs) He's a big man. And the two of them beside each other on the court, it's like like me and and mini-me or whatever out there. (laughs) Um, But but here's the thing, Andy. While I didn't pick um, Indiana over Purdue, I'm not entirely surprised by it at all. Assembly Hall is an incredibly difficult place to play. Mm -hmm. These two in-state rivals and and all of Mm -hmm. that, it's the spread. Purdue was favored by like, a mm-hmm. point and a half by our good friends at FanDuel. So mm-hmm. um, all, all told, 100%. Purdue is mm-hmm. still my number one. Now, I know a lot of people are going to just, oh, Purdue lost. Mm-hmm. Houston won on Sunday. Let's move up. And down. that's mm-hmm. not how this goes, folks. And I think yeah. that is the problem, Andy, yeah. is the way that people evaluate who should be number one and number two. Because for mm-hmm. me, it's not just about oh, you most recently won or lost. It's Mm -hmm. about continuing to look at the entirety of a team's resume. So, for example, just just quickly, Mm -hmm. Purdue, for example, has nine Q1 wins. Mm -hmm. Alabama, six. Houston, five. The only other team that can match that number of quadrant one wins is Kansas, who has like three or four total losses. Right, exactly. (laughs) And part of that's the Big Mm -hmm. Big 12 versus the Big 10 of it, but hear that. And then when we look specifically like Purdue versus Houston, Purdue, zero losses outside of quadrant one. Houston, mm-hmm. they've got a quad three loss. Yeah. And I know that feels like I'm I'm nitpicking there, mm-hmm. but that's what we're doing at the top yeah. of this. You're talking at the top. <laughs> right. We have to pick nits because mm-hmm. they're so close in resume. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's ultimately part of it is these 
at least these three teams for me, Purdue, Alabama, and Houston are mm-hmm. so close that yeah. like, I'm not going to quibble if you mm-hmm. have Alabama or Houston at the top. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, I don't think Purdue will be a unanimous number one as they were this week. But mm-hmm. if you're asking me, I got the Boilermakers still at the top with apologies to the Houston Cougars out there. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there too. I, I think, uh, too often we see teams just automatically get get bumped down because they lost. And, and it's part of it is just the way that the AP voters have kind of decided to vote in a lot of ways. There are some criticisms about the way the AP vote voters do that, not individually necessarily, but collectively that seems to be the way that the AP poll tends to shake out. And yeah, I, I agree. You have to look at the resume overall. Houston has a fantastic resume. Alabama has a fantastic resume. Purdue has a fantastic resume. That's why the three best teams in the country. Uh, when you start getting to the very top, though, you got to start looking at what are the few differences? What are the slight ways that this team's resume maybe stands out over another resume? Uh, I'm I'm going to go through my top five right here, too. And, and uh, I'm going to start like just like you. I'm starting with the Boilermakers. They're still the number one team in the country. Uh, quad one loss to Rutgers. Quad one loss to Alabama or excuse me, to Indiana on the road. <laughs> I can stomach that. I think that's pretty pretty good i mean they have we we know that their wins are fantastic they have a lot of wins in the big 10 of course they have the win against gonzaga and the non-conference like when i believe a win against marquette in the non-conference as well um really really strong resume for purdue and so i got them at the number one spot right now uh for me i actually have houston number two uh, over alabama it's very close between those two programs i think it's really easy to argue either way of course they did face each other head to head we know alabama won that game that is a strong argument in favor of alabama but right now quad one quad two combined houston is 11 and one alabama is 11 and three really close but they got a couple more losses in that range uh so for me i'm leaning houston but it is it's really really close alabama obviously has some some better opportunities to to bolster their resume than Houston does going forward. So the ball's a little bit in their court in terms of if they take care of the games that they need to take care of. They're, they're going to end up bumping back up over Houston at some point. Uh, for me, fourth is UCLA. And, and I, I saw you had a note here, Isaac, of the, you got a top three pretty locked in and four or five is kind of a revolving door. And I'm with you there. hundred <laughs> percent. There's right. about six teams I felt comfortable putting at fourth, but I'm going with UCLA, the Bruins, third in Ken Palm, fifth in net, 10 and four in quad one and quad two games. Just a solid program right now. Obviously, Arizona is a really hot team right now, and I think they're squarely in that conversation. The Pac-12 is going to come down to those two teams, and then there's a big old gap (laughs) before you get to anybody else in that conference. But I got UCLA sitting at four, and then for me, number five, it was a narrow win for them. They almost blew it, but the Tennessee Vols, uh, they got them at number five. Uh, Second in Ken Palm, eight and four in those quad one, quad two games. Barely took care of Auburn, but still managed to secure a victory there. So for me, Tennessee squeezes into the top five. My next in line schools, Arizona, Texas, Kansas, Iowa State. Got some Big 12 love in there. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, St. Mary's, who we're going to talk extensively about later in the show. That's right, we will. Why do you guys talk about Big 12 all the time on Locked On College Basketball? (laughs) I cannot tell you folks listening how often we get that question. (laughs) It's the best conference in America, so of course... A lot of good teams, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Andy, you're spot on. Mm -hmm. I really do feel like there's a cut line after Mm -hmm. these top three. That is is tier one right now, Mm -hmm. and I would feel... I mean... I would just rather say, here's my top three and yeah. then here's four through 10 for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I feel like that's easier. Um, but the combination of the quad one and quad two, like you were talking about, that's another mm-hmm. feather in Purdue's cap for me yeah. 
where they are a combined 12 and two. So even uh, another thing where they bump up just a little bit above Alabama and Houston there. Anyway, our top three are the same. The only difference is I'm still got the crimson tide ahead Mm -hmm. of Houston. Like I did last week, Uh, Alabama obliterated LSU over the weekend. Houston. Mm -hmm. I mean, they came back one by 16. We're Mm -hmm. trailing at the half uh, to temple on Sunday. Um, but I, no reason to move them anywhere, but they didn't really do anything to jump Alabama yep. for me. So that's why I've still got them at two, uh, to, to our great point about the, uh, the, uh, anything goes after the top three, mm-hmm. your next two in line are my four and five. I've got Arizona four. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they're really back on track. Now they have yeah. a six game winning streak after those losses, uh, they've swept LA schools, Washington schools, and Oregon schools, meaning mm-hmm. they've avenged both uh, uh, two of their three conference yep. losses. They should, Andy, should is always an important word here, mm-hmm. win their next five nice. before they wrap up the Pac 12 regular season at the two LA schools. So uh, that could be a very interesting weekend to close out Pac 12 play. My number five team is Texas. And I think this is really neat because you'll recall. Andy, and then anyone who's been with us from the beginning, um, when Chris Beard got suspended and then ultimately fired, we were kind of out, or uh, I shouldn't say out. We were pressing pause on Texas, and they have responded so well. it's To me, that speaks volumes about this team. Mm -hmm. This week, they won versus Baylor, and at Kansas State, I've got to have them in my top five. Mm -hmm. Massive game tonight, Monday. They are at Kansas in Fog Allen. I cannot wait for that game but what a three-game winning streak that would be if they could pull it off next in line for me behind uh the the longhorns would be tennessee ucla and then kansas iowa state k-state pretty similar stuff there Mm -hmm. and uh i I do want to shout some love to both marquette and Mm -hmm. saint mary's as you did as well speaking of the gales of saint mary's andy Patton, they are in line to achieve something that hasn't happened in the West Coast Conference in over a decade. You know anything about that? And just (laughs) what exactly is the St. Mary's Gale ceiling? We want to have that conversation, and we'll do it in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, with which you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help achieve those goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract and identify the most qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools and then connecting with them fast and for free. LinkedIn goes beyond resume data by using insights from your job post to put that in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your qualifications all there on one platform. You want to achieve your business goals in 2023 and the right team member might help you do just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. Hey, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Andy, as you said off the top, we had six games in on Saturday between AP top 25 ranked teams, which is wild. 12 teams 
uh, or excuse me, 12 of the top 25 were in action against each other. Mm -hmm. And I got to be honest, the nightcap of this thing was the one that probably a lot of people missed, but for me was the most exciting one of the day. This was a wild game um, in Moraga there where with number 18, St. Mary's knocking off number 12, Gonzaga 78, 70 in overtime, kind of similar to what we said about some of the other games. Drew Timmy was drew Timmy 25 Mm -hmm. and five, pretty efficient. Uh, for St. Mary's, a dub dub, fifteen and eleven for Mitchell Saxon. I've never—I don't think I've said that on this show. I call double doubles dub dubs, <laughs> and some people hate it and some people love it. I apologize to anyone who's now mad at me. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get to Aiden Mahaney in a little bit because it's—he's a whole national conversation yeah. right now. But Andy, here's the thing. Here's the talking point. St. Mary's, by virtue of this victory, ten and zero in the WCC. Gonzaga drops to eight and two. All of it means that with six games left for each of them, the Gales have the inside track to be the outright West Coast Conference champ. What on earth? I mean, is this a regular occurrence? I know that you are very dialed in to the WCC and what's going on there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. One of the things about the the general history of the WCC that has always fascinated me is it feels like teams, you don't just have like a few teams that crop up and have a few good years or whatever. It's like sustained Sustain, dominance yeah. is like the case, like going back to, you know, Pepperdine had a, a huge sustained dominance and like the late nineties. Yeah. The early nineties LMU was just like the, one of the best teams in the entire country uh, with their super fast paced offense under Paul Westhead. And of course, Gonzaga has been a, an absolute force for over 20 years, but St. Mary, I mean, Randy Bennett took over in 2002. Uh, that team had two wins the year before he took over by 2005, they were 24 and nine in the NCAA tournament. Like, we don't talk very much about St. Mary's. We don't talk all that much about Randy Bennett. And we generally, but also just college basketball in general, it doesn't talk about the, because Gonzaga overshadows it. That's so what I was going to say. Is it because of Gonzaga? 100%. It's because of Gonzaga. Because any other time St. Mary's, a team like this, would have won 10, 12, 15 conference championships. Instead, they haven't. <laughs> and they're, they're not happy about it. You can tell they, they want to be out there and winning those championships. They've built this dominant prime. I mean, Randy Bennett just won his 500th game. That is tremendous to do at a tiny, tiny school like Moraga or like St. Mary's in Moraga. It's just, it's an obscene run that this program has put together. Uh, and now they're, I mean, they knocked off the Kings. They, they knocked him off. Yes. Uh, on Saturday, they, you know, 78, 70, like you said, in overtime uh, for people who missed it. I think there's a lot of people who probably started, and saw Gonzaga was wire to wire winning in the first half, wire to wire winning in the first 10 minutes of the second half and thought, okay, well, it's, you know, I got church in the morning. I'm going exactly. To like, <laughs> I got stuff to do. And then Aiden Mahaney said, well, I hope that you're staying up folks because I'm going to bring this team back from the brink. Uh, yeah. Gonzaga is in a pretty perilous position right now in terms of losing that streak of WCC outright championships. Uh, they're going to have to win in Vegas in order to at least get one of the titles. Uh, and they're going to have a hard time doing that because uh, Randy Bennett and the same areas, Gales, this is a really good freaking basketball team. Absolutely, they are. And just to put some numbers on it, Gonzaga has won a share, at least a share of every WCCC. That's three C's, Andy. I'm I'm really C happy today. Uh, It would be the first time since 2011, 2012 that Mm -hmm. Gonzaga didn't win at least a share of the regular season championship would be just the second time in the 2000s that Gonzaga didn't at least share the title. Mm -hmm. Going back to that Pepperdine Mm -hmm. championship in the 99, 2000 
season. Mm -hmm. So as things shape up, listen, folks, you might be just now getting into the St. Mary's train, Mm -hmm. uh, but let us be the conductors of it Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit here. The Gales now have the second longest winning streak in the nation after FAU lost and after um, Charleston both lost. Who's number one now? Eastern Washington, Mm -hmm. 14-game winning streak, deep cut there. Uh, (laughs) But St. Mary's, seventh at Ken Palm, sixth in the net, Andy, and sixth at Torvik. They have Ken Palm's fourth best defensive efficiency. And when Mm -hmm. the new AP poll drops at some point today, folks, you might already know, depending on when you're watching this, Mm-hmm. They should be top 15 easily, yeah. if not top 10. Yeah. Um, and and as you said, man, Aiden Mahaney struggled, struggled yeah. for the first like 35 minutes of this game, was two mm-hmm. for 11 at that point from the field. But then for the final five minutes of regulation and overtime, Homie was seven mm-hmm. for eight from the field. And he wasn't just ball. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they were playing through him, but he was dropping some nice dimes. Yeah. Uh, that that pass he made to pass to Saxon. Oh my goodness! To, to basically send the game to overtime, you know, like that mm-hmm. that find was mm-hmm. insane. And so yeah. here here's the thing, Andy. The question becomes, what is the Gales' ceiling this season? Because there, I think some people probably look at this and think, oh, that's cute. They're just mm-hmm. a feel good mid major Cinderella story. No. Mm-hmm. These Gales, to me, are legitimately mm-hmm. a very good basketball team, regardless of conference, regardless yeah. of region, regardless of high major, mid major, low major, whatever it is. This is mm-hmm. just a good basketball team, period. So the question is, what is their ceiling? Yeah, I, I, this is a fantastic basketball team. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think you look at the the games that they have struggled, the games that they have lost. Uh, they have some bad losses on their resume, which has hampered their ability to move up as far in the AP poll as you know the the analytics love them significantly more than the AP poll voters do. And part of that is just a little bit of mid major bias, which you expect. You understand that. But this team also lost to Colorado State. That's right. That's not a good team. <laughs> they lost to Washington. That is also not a good team. And I think there's there's potentially an argument that this team maybe struggles with more athletic Athletic. teams. Part of what people wanted to wait on Gonzaga, they wanted to wait on Samaritans to be like, can they beat Gonzaga? Because like, if we, if they can't prove they can beat Gonzaga, you know, in a, in a down year for the Zags, at least over the last five years, this is a down year. And I think now that they have, and they did it in a, in a surprising fashion, they did it by coming from behind. I mean, they were down the majority of that game. They did it with Logan Johnson having a bad game. They did it with Aiden Mahaney playing bad for 35 minutes and they still won. And to me, that's, you're starting to see like, okay, this is a team that, they're not just like, a, oh, maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll get a, a high enough seed to win a first round game and then get smacked by whatever three seed they play. <laughs> you know, like I think that's what a lot of people are expecting. Like they're going to be a six seed. They're going to barely beat some 11 seed and then they're going to get, you know, beat badly by a three seed. And I'm looking at it. and I'm like, there are not a lot of teams that I confidently would say that team is going to beat St. Mary's more than five out of 10 times. Like the interesting thing about St. Mary's about Randy Bennett is because they play so slow. And I mean, if you haven't watched them. Oh man, it is slow. It's Virginia. It's, West Coast, yeah. Virginia. If you've ever seen Virginia, you get you get a sense. You get a gist of what it's like. Uh, they're not a great free throw shooting team, which definitely would make me nervous uh, about kind of pushing them a little bit farther. But if they're a six seed, five seed, and they're playing, you know, uh, they played UCLA a few years ago in the tournament. Maybe that was last year. Like, I could see, I could see picking them over UCLA. Like, I could see them going to a Sweet Sixteen. I could see them going to an Elite Eight. Mahaney is just. He is relentlessly talented. Mitchell Saxon is is potentially going to be the defensive player of the year in the WCC. He's a big body dude. He uses his size extraordinarily well. They got three guys shooting over 43% 
from deep. They can light it up from beyond the arc. They're the most efficient defensive team in the country. They have size. They have strength. They have willpower. Like, I have a hard time. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see this team in an Elite Eight. It's the defense. That's mm-hmm. the thing that – because I, too, am fearful of this team against more mm-hmm. athletic squads. Like, I'm really curious and hopeful for a, a Gonzaga-St. Mary's WCC championship game because that I, I want to see them play on a neutral court. Right. Like, I feel like Gonzaga should win back in Spokane as um, what happened on Saturday night. But I want to see how they do in a neutral site game in the WCC championship game. But I I think this defense, because it's so good, can overcome some of those Mm -hmm. athletic shortcomings. Uh, Man, what a team. With you 100%, although I'd point out for anybody who has been to the WCC championship game in Las Vegas, even though Moraga is geographically closer to Las Vegas than Spokane, that is hardly a neutral site. We'll see if the Gales fans show up this year, but in the past it's been pretty darn, they call it Zach Vegas for a reason. But uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, I hope those two teams get a chance to play each other because that's going to be another really, they got one more on the 25th of February and then hopefully they get another chance uh, in early March to to, to hopefully break a tie. We'll see how, how Gonzaga does at home against the Gales. All right, it's time for our weekly six-pack featuring a wonky ACC and multiple top 10 teams losing. But before we get to that, I want to tell you all about today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise your taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They have only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around for a box. Why? Because now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk up to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a four-bar box of cookies and cream, or swing by a Sam's Club and get a big supply of churro flavor. You will not be disappointed. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. All right, six-pack time here on Monday as we always close out our Monday show discussing a variety of other games that happened over the weekend. It is impossible as much as Isaac and I would like to to cover every single game in detail. We're not going to have a four-hour show for you. so That'd be fun, though, Andy. I'd love it. Maybe someday, maybe someday. Uh, But for now, we're just going to go through a handful of other really exciting games. And here, our our first, the first crack of our six pack is actually a a handful of games that happened in the ACC. Uh, Right now, we have seven teams within two games of each other in the ACC. What a mess. (laughs) Quite honestly, the ACC has just been uh, a very, very complicated conference to discuss this year. Let's put it that way. Virginia Tech. Beat Virginia. That is a big win for the Hokies, 74 to 68. Uh, it was a home game for them. Virginia losing on the road. And then you have Miami over Clemson, uh, two really, really evenly ranked teams. Miami's 23rd at the time. Clemson was 20th at the time, 78 uh, 74. That was on the road at Clemson. So for Miami to go on the road, pick up a win over the Tigers. Uh, and then, of course, the big game. Even though they were unranked, even though there was conversation about is this still, you know, one of the top rivalries in all of college sports, Duke Carolina, it, it still lived up to it. Duke 
pulled off the victory under John Shire. Uh, first matchup between these two coaches was, I think it was 63 57 was the score there in that right. one. Um, and now we have a, a really wonky standings. Clemson's 10 and three Pitt and Virginia are nine and three. So they're half game behind there. NC state and Miami are nine and four Duke's eight and four North Carolina, seven and five. Uh, if you, if anybody out there can say confidently, this is the team that's winning the ACC this year. They're lying. They're lying to you because I don't know that anybody can be too confident about what's going to happen in that conference between now and the start of the NCAA tournament. Woo! It will be wild. Let's switch gears to the Big 12 because it's Big 12. Big 12. Saturday. Yeah, because it's Big 12. <laughs> um, man, and the, the first thing out of the gate there, number 13, Iowa State over number eight, Kansas, 68 to 53 the Kansas yeah. Jayhawks scored just 53 points in Ames Iowa the fewest points for the Kansas Jayhawks in a Big 12 game in the entire tenure under Bill Self that is wild to me and Andy coming into this thing if you had said hey Isaac on Saturday Iowa State's going to host Kansas Caleb mm-hmm. Grill and Gabe Kalsher are going to combine for 17 points yeah. on an inefficient 6 of 17 shooting and just 3 mm-hmm. of 11 from deep. I would have said, oh, so Kansas is really happy going back yep. to Lawrence before they host Texas on Monday night. No, sir, because mm-hmm. 15 from Jaron Holmes, 13 from Osunier, and mm-hmm. boy, Iowa State does it. Find some offense from some other guys, although Jaron Holmes has been doing it a lot. Um, but this gives me some more confidence in mm-hmm. Iowa State's ability. As for the Jayhawks, 26-9 and from Jalen Wilson still yep. doing his thing. No other Jayhawks in double digits, though, interestingly enough. Not Grady Dick, not, mm-hmm. not K.J. Adams, nobody. Mm-hmm. And so really curious to see what happens for Kansas tonight, Monday night, when they host the Texas Longhorns. Should be interesting. Number three on our six-pack. Guess what? We're talking Big 12 basketball once what? again. Oklahoma State. Over then number 15, TCU, 79 to 73. It was a road game for the Horned Frogs, and it was a road game that they had to play without star point guard Mike Miles or star post Eddie Lampkin, two of their best players. Tough to not have those two guys, but you know what? It's still a good win for Oklahoma State. This is still a difficult team. This is still a really talented team. Oklahoma State went out, secured a victory here. Khalid Boone had 25 points on 11 of 15 shooting really really nice performance from him and okay state is five and five in the big 12 which you know what that's that puts you in conversation as a bubble team that is enough in this ridiculously loaded i almost said top heavy but it is not top heavy it is a ridiculous conference top to bottom uh, for this conference so okay state you know maybe not the team that's making all the headlines not a team that's got a fancy number next to them as an ap ranked team but still a team that you know joe lenardi's recent bracketology has them in not first four out not next four out, they're in. They're in the field right now, and if they can continue to, to pick off teams in the Big 12 and, and stick around a 500 record, I think they got a really good chance. For TCU, obviously the health of Mike Miles, Eddie Lampkin's the biggest story for them right now. If those guys can get back, get healthy, uh, they got themselves an opportunity to uh, to make some noise and potentially make a push later in the season, but uh, the hard conference to lose games in, and it's a hard conference to win, so we'll see if they can, uh, they can uh, kind of right the ship here in the next month. So, Andy, you're telling me it's tough to win without who you're starting five? Yeah. Man, that's wild. Who knew? Uh, Texas goes to Kansas State, Little Apple, and avenges that blowout mm-hmm. loss they suffered earlier this season when they gave up 116 points. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Knocks off Kansas State, 69-66. 
Uh, still funny to think about that going to Kansas State and winning right now is such a big deal, yeah. uh, but it is. Um, Kansas State misses a three at the buzzer to send it to overtime, allows Texas to stay atop the Big 12 standings all by their lonesome. Christian Bishop, Jabari Rice lead Texas off the bench with 14 apiece, interestingly enough. And as we said just a second ago, they are at Kansas tonight. Big Monday will be hopping. Next up, we are switching over to the SEC. Tennessee, number two team in the country, kept things alive by barely, and I mean barely, escaping against the Auburn Tigers. They did enough defensively. Final score, 46 to 43. That is not the halftime score. It is the final score <laughs> of this game. It is the fourth lowest all-scoring game all time between two top 25-ranked teams. It is the lowest scoring game between two top 25-ranked SEC teams of all time. We're not surprised that this year's Tennessee team is a part of that conversation because they are an elite defensive team that doesn't get it done offensively all that often. And that was kind of the situation they ran into here in this game. Uh, Zakai Ziegler, 0 of 10 from the field in this one. Uh, Santiago Vescovi was 2 of 7, 1 of 6 from 3. Ziegler and Vescovi combined 1 of 13. From beyond the arc, Tennessee as a team, 2 of 21. They're going to go as far as their offense can carry them. Defensively, this team is fantastic. Held Auburn to 43 points. Uh, Auburn had a chance to win this one. Wendell Green Sure looked like he got fouled on that final possession there, had an opportunity to shoot three free throws, or should have had an opportunity, I should say, to shoot three free throws. Did not get said opportunity. The game ended that way. Perhaps we're having a very different conversation if Green can step up to the line and knock those three down. But as it stands, Tennessee survives. They still look like a fantastic defensive team. But until that offense proves that they can shoot better than 27% from the field, I'm going to have some questions about how far this team can go in March. Bruce Pearl was incensed. Andy, how about a St. Mary's uh, in Tennessee national championship Whoa, game? There you go. First team to 30 is your national champion. <laughs> uh, man, y'all, rounding out our six-pack on a feel-good story. Just under a year ago, on February 12th, 2022, Baylor was playing Texas. Jonathan Chamo Chachua suffered a severe, mm -hmm. serious left knee injury, enough that Coach Drew wondered if he would ever play again. But guess what? Saturday, Baylor gets a win over Texas Tech. 80, gets a win, blows out Texas Tech, 89-62. And guess what? There's our guy, JTT, mm -hmm. back in, played 13 minutes, eight points, three of four shooting, yeah. two for two from three, four rebounds in Baylor's win. So, P.S., this isn't just some feel-good thing, although yeah. it is a feel-good thing. They, you have to take Baylor very seriously. Mm -hmm. If he's going to be able to get back in as a starter combined with that backcourt, watch out not just Big 12, but watch out Nation. Let me give you this quote from Jonathan Chamuachacha to end this thing. Tissue box on hand, I'm just telling you. Quote, it was just surreal. I remember praying in my bedroom last night, just crying about all the trials that I've been going through and realizing the day is actually here. I'm actually playing. I feel like it was a miracle for me to even be out here, end quote. And and Andy, this is why we do this, brother. Like, right. it's so fun to watch the games and, and the buzzer beaters and all these close things. But ultimately, this is about these young men and young women mm. and what they're doing and figuring out who they are in life. And we never want to see these injuries happen. And so to just see somebody get to come back like yeah. that and have an impact, um, man, that's what it's all about. And so Beautiful. what a fun note to get to end today's show on.
Going to be another fun week of college basketball. Andy and I will be bringing you great stuff all week long. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. We're closing in on that 500 mark. Would love for you to help us get there. Smash the like button, comment. We'd be honored if you would leave a review on Apple Music. That helps spread the news of the show. We're going to be right back with you tomorrow. But until then, apologies to the lawyer family. And we got to say, peace. Peace. Peace.